0: Rewind the Dynamite from the post-wrestling site you lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubbly As we hear from John and Wayne. Where we're going, we don't need roads And if the buck stops, here, yeah, this thing might blow Everything you hear are opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know
1: Welcome everybody to Rewind a Dynamite John Pollock and Wei Ting. I am John Pollock. That means he is Wei Ting.
0: That's what that means. Yeah, it would be weird if there were two John Pollocks. As I've told you,
1: there's there's many of them out there, much to my surprise, a whole Instagram group of them. That
0: would be confusing if like I also happened to be a John Pollock that also, you know, liked professional wrestling and we both did the same show. Like that would be really really bad. Oh, if there if there were two of us that were at the same name.
1: And yeah, and, it'd be a little confusing. I've always I've always felt bad for people that are following more famous people with the same name.
0: Like what are you going to do? Um I'm sure this is a this has been a recurring problem in on certain podcasts or or radio shows, you know, two people with the same first names.
1: Well, there's the actor Michael B. Jordan, who I mean, I have no idea, but I would imagine the B was just to differentiate. But he's gone on to become a pretty accomplished actor. And I I have great uh, admiration for people that can uh, distance themselves from what has to be the most annoying thing in the world of hearing that joke and always being uh, asked, oh, which one?
0: Which which Michael Jordan? What about the expectation? You know? Like – you better be pretty damn good at whatever you're choosing to do with your life if you're going to have the name Michael Jordan attached to it. Like you can't be a mediocre actor. You know, like even if you're do- to like work at Starbucks, you can't be a mediocre barista. Okay, if I'm being served my coffee by Michael Jordan, it better be a like a Jordan level, flu game level, you know, performance from that barista.
1: But that's really on the parents. Like the parents are like, Michael B. Jordan, I'm looking up here, he was born in February of 1987. So this isn't a case of, well, we named him Michael Jordan, but it it predated the rise of the basketball star. No, this was, like, in the midst of it.
0: So, uh, I mean... but 87, you said? 87? I mean, that's before the championships. I don't think people would know how great of a of a player he was going to be at that point.
1: I mean, he was drafted when in so eighty four. A lot of people are. I mean, he's around. not. He's not. He's not at the peak. He's not at the peak level.
0: You're. You're right. Um. So, you give him you, a pass. Cut him a, you cut him a little bit of slack. I, I actually, I actually think it's on Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he could have changed it to Mike, although that's not that much better. Uh, I mean, when you go to Hollywood, actors change their names all the time. You know, that's true. He could have gotten away with just a
1: completely different name. I, I know of, I know of a podcaster who. Uh it's
0: not even his real name he uses. Oh, for sure. Anybody. Like, yeah. I I Davey Portman. You, did you realize that's not his real name? I don't I don't think we're supposed to talk about that, but that's who I was referencing. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Don't, leave, leave Ernest alone. Huh? Never mind. Anyway, uh you know, I think that just goes to show you how confident Michael B. Jordan is, is in his acting ability. He lives up to his namesake.
1: It's it's impressive. That's why whenever there would be the argument about the second or third generation wrestlers i've always looked at it as are you kidding me like that to me is so much more pressure like how many how many flameouts have we seen like guys that have just like crashed and burned that were second or ger- third generation performers as opposed to the ones that have um had great success i mean there there's examples of both but to me um there is Way more pressure than there are opportunities. Like if you're weighing the good and the bad, I think it's it's way more you have to overcome than what is handed to
0: you. you you'll well, get
1: you'll get the tryout, you'll get in the door, but that is not going to get you to any significant level. Uh, and you have to you have to achieve quite a lot to get to that next level.
0: Yeah, but that that's also provided that you know your your uh, parent or whoever that you're naming yourself after is this incredible performer. What if that your parent was a terrible wrestler or at least somebody who really was just kind of okay, you know, then the expectations maybe are a little, are kind of low. Like if I was like, if I was like Tai Chi, Tai Chi junior, I think, I think I could outperform him. No, I'm just joking. He's fantastic. And congrats to him for advancing to a, the quarterfinals he's
1: not, yeah he's now beat tanahashi who's gonna take
0: this thing i think
1: i don't think he's gonna take the whole thing i think we should uh at the end of this we should do predictions on the uh the quarterfinals because the quarterfinals start in a few hours we're down to the final eight
0: okay yeah i don't mean to slight the man at all i'm a big fan of his uh but i you, you get my point you know like if, if somebody was yeah okay if i'm dwayne johnson jr uh, I mean, it's the moment like she's going to have great expectations. It had to a uh, Charlotte flair, you know, perfect example.
1: Yes. And with Charlotte, we get the direct comparison because we saw what, what David flair had to do a generation prior uh, and did not succeed. And to Charlotte, I mean, she has completely reached a, a level unto her own. That yes. that's. Uh, you know, all, all the you know, it feels like every single interview they make the joke about, well, now she's uh uh she's no longer Ric Flair's daughter, it's uh Ric Flair is Charlotte Flair's dad. And it's like but she has completely like the Flair moniker is always gonna be there. You're always gonna have that attachment, but she has certainly uh distanced herself from just being uh the daughter of Ric Flair.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, she she I would say has has really cra- like carved her own path too. Uh, she doesn't wrestle like her dad at all. You know, it's it's a very different style, and I mean, it's a different world, and obviously, you know, different gender too. But like, she's she's really kind of crafted her own. You know, I mean, um, we'll probably talk a little bit about skateboarding on, on this episode of of uh, AEW Dynamite, but um, you know, Tony Hawk, of course. Yeah, Darby Allen's buddy, Darby Allen's buddy, sure, but um, his son wrestles, or sorry, his son skateboards, and you know, imagine like being like Tony Hawk's son and picking up skateboarding as a profession. His son's name is Riley, and he's a fantastic skateboarder, but in a completely different style. Tony Hawk, of course, is is a you know like a vert skater, but Riley Hawk is a fantastic, excellent street skater, probably a better street skater than than Tony Hawk. Um, so again, like, you know, you, somebody has to live up to those great expectations, but I, the man, like, you know, kind of found his own lane. Or his own pipe. Uh, well, no, cause he's a street skater, but.
1: Oh, well, you can, uh, okay. Well, well, you found a different, uh, a different avenue then. Literally. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's the goal you should always go for is that when you find out that's so and so's son or daughter, like Miley Cyrus. Like, what the hell? That's Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter. True, yeah. Like, that's what you should be going for is that you actually have a semblance of notoriety before people realize the connection. And then your first impression of them is something so drastically different. And then it's this add on at the end that there's actually a connection to another celebrity. A father or mother
0: i think that's always what you want you want you don't want people you don't want to get your foot in the door because you're somebody's kid you want them you want it to be a trivia note that afterwards somebody says oh you're that guy's kid wow that's cool yes definitely so um
1: there you go um i don't know if if we've lived up to our our parents fame but we try sure yeah
0: how was your wednesday how was canada day uh, I was actually pretty good yeah, um you know uh I had a really you know I was surprised at how quiet the streets were this morning, so uh as people know you know i'll I'll drive my fiance to work, and then it's pretty early, so like I kinda have the city to myself, you know it's it's really quiet, i mean certainly it's well, what time
1: are we talking about
0: well, we're talking about like eight a m wow. And so, like, the streets are pretty empty. Um, I, it's honestly sometimes even a struggle to find a coffee place that's open because, uh, at least in the annex, because, you know, just you don't do that that much business. But I found a place, um, had a really nice stroll through a park, like, kind of had the world to myself. It was ni- it's nice.
1: Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. A lot better than my day. <laughs> well, how was yours? My day was horrible. I got up this morning. And I had to work today, and I, I've—I think I've told you that th- this year I've just been hit with like these allergies, and they've just been like killing me. And they kind of had subsided over the past week, and then today, like just nonstop, like it was brutal. Just getting that news update out was just—I just could not finish that thing in enough time. I tried going for a walk. I tried taking like a Reactin. It was just getting worse and worse and worse, and then. Like after I finished working, like I think it's it's turned into like a full on cold from just allergies. So this entire day I had to go to sleep at like four o'clock and just slept for two hours. I got up just a mess, a mess throughout dynamite. And it's just now that I'm sitting down uh, that it's somewhat
0: subsided. So
1: maybe maybe you have been the cure way. I don't know
0: maybe just talking in general maybe, maybe
1: i think i think there's something to it because I, no matter whenever i'm i'm very sick or have when i know i have to do a show with you somehow my body like gets into gear when i need to do uh something like this and i'm sure that there's some weird maybe we'll ask ask uh, dr patel that. that maybe that'll be a God. bonus
0: question <laughs> oh, <laughs> no yeah. we're not gonna it, bother like he's with got that. way more way more to worry about than um podcasting effects on allergies but uh i mean maybe it's just like humidity you know could that i have no
1: idea what it is but i i swear to god i'm not exaggerating that i i've probably sneezed over uh 150 times today
0: oh that's terrible well i mean especially you know in light of everything like do you like you know i i'm certainly more self-conscious every time like yes you know i sneeze or cough or something like that so Uh, I've
1: kind of just uh, secluded myself away uh, from people and I'm vigorously washing my hands constantly. And if this continues, I will go get tested.
0: Yeah, why not? Seems good practice uh, either way.
1: So on that front, uh, we can pivot over to some news items before we get into uh, Fighter Fest. And still to come, we will be giving away a t-shirt for one lucky member of the post wrestling cafe. It is a new month, so it's a great time to sign up for the cafe. Uh, not just the great content that we have to provide, such as our recent ask away show, a very talked about ask away edition from Tuesday night. But if you sign up on now, you get your most value for this month. So if you're just going to simply jump on for a month and then you're going to drop us at the end of the month, do it now, do it now. It's like, um, uh, what would this be the equivalent of? It would be like signing up for uh, free movies at your local theater for a month. Why would you do that towards the end of the month? Could, you could do it at the beginning.
0: Have, is that even... It's not a, a thing, theater? but as
1: I'm saying this, that should be a thing. Uh, sure. I know some places have tried like little like like uh, passes and stuff, but that, that really should be a thing. I feel that if if uh, Cineplex offered me a 30-day pass... For, let's say sixty bucks. Okay, I would spend that. I'm sure I would spend it. Maybe for the summer, I would buy that. And I can't guarantee I would go to sixty dollars worth of movies. And I'm sure many others would not. Some would, like a gym member. But I think overall, Cineplex would probably come out ahead of that, where people would be spending more than what they're
0: actually using it. Okay, so considering, let, let, I, I let's you know, I know we're we're holding up the show, but I, I really want to explore this idea. Sixty dollars, okay. At this point, a movie is probably about fifteen bucks. So, that, take. so that's four movies. Yeah. N- will most people watch four movies in a month? No. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean that's really but one the, the, movie the, a week. So.
1: Well, th- think about think about
0: what you spend uh, for Netflix. Okay, how much is
1: Netflix now? Is it like
0: like fourteen ninety nine dollars? Yeah.
1: Oh, is it that lower? Something
0: okay. like that. They have tears now.
1: Well, like I would imagine, I do. I watch so little on Netflix yeah. now that I'm not getting my value out of Netflix. Even if I'm looking at, say, a YouTube movie that costs uh, $4.99, um, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm watching. Uh, Netflix is is <laughs> relatively cheap, but for a movie, like in your, that's the whole thing with these memberships is that you you're you're spending with like your head of what is possible what you could save but realistically are you going to go out and obtain the value of what you're spending
0: and and and, um the point is not lost on me that this is meant to be somehow a plug for our patreon Um, i'm just
1: saying listen (laughs) use us strategically that's all
0: (laughs) yes take full advantage of us and uh uh treat us like your monthly 60 dollar movie pass it's the key just is for me.
1: us six dollars a month that gets you all the bonus shows. You listen to one show, believe me, I am not one to pat myself on the back, but absolutely, ask away. This week was worth six dollars. Am I wrong?
0: Oh, so you've already the got the your amount value. of controversy that came out of that one. Absolutely. Yep.
1: I'm always uh, I'm I, I like when there is uh, uh, something to discuss coming out of it, but I also look at okay, <laughs> this show we spent. An hour and forty minutes, and it's going to be sixty seconds. That is going to be people's takeaway
0: from that. Well, do you have any further thoughts? I mean, do you, should we?
1: No, you got to listen to the show. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I I, do, I don't have any further thoughts. There there was a question asked that uh, I, I think I so let me, let me, I was let... offended by that. I, I was I was offended by. I was upset about it in the moment. Uh, it didn't bother me beyond that. Uh, but later, when I finished the show. Uh I thought to myself, did I overreact? And I thought, no, I did not overreact. I thought I had a a perfectly sound reaction to a question that was being presented to me by you. I also didn't And I and I was not mad at Way. I was mad at
0: the question. Well, I also didn't think you overreacted. Uh at the same time, I did wonder if there was misinterpretation either in the way the question was worded or in the way I read the question. And it's Honestly, it's incredibly difficult to to talk about what, unless you've actually heard it. So if you haven't, um, apologies. Go and listen to it. It's somewhere in the middle, and it's a question about like our office space or something like that. But I, for, for this for this person to ask this question the way they did was to make
1: numerous assumptions that they really have no idea about. So to make
0: and to make blind assumptions. Okay. I understand that and I think that's totally valid and that's why I didn't really challenge you because I really wasn't confident enough in in even like my own belief about, oh, whether or not there was any sort of malice attached to it. Now, but like afterwards, I think I thought about it and I'm really on the side that there really was no malice attached to it. I really read it more as so, hey, like, you know, I'm really curious, you know, like what you guys uh, might use an office space for that you might not be able to do with your very much digital business online. And, you know, I'm concerned... This question was worded nothing like this at all, because you have tact. Mm, I, I actually kind of read it like that. I mean, yeah, maybe it was poorly worded. Maybe we can argue that. But, like, you know, the question about, like, not making enough money, I read more so as, hey, I'm concerned that you guys, you know, might not have enough resources. Wait, let me turn this around on you, okay? Sure. Even myself,
1: as your friend, okay? If I... And it's kind of disqualifying, because... If I did not know what you make and I were to criticize you about a personal purchase that you made or, or something of that nature and to tell you that I think that I, I'm questioning what you're doing way because I don't think you make enough to afford that. I think that's really rude and it's a great assumption of mine because I do not know what you make. I do not know what the – uh, I, real, realistically, don't even know what the
0: – uh. What the purchase is, to be honest. Okay, well, uh, again, to, to me, it was more like the concern of a parent. If I were to buy a car that, you know, um, they would consider. I don't know. I, I don't know, even know if it would necessarily be a fancy but, car. But don't
1: you see how that, that, that right there, your, your premise, comes across very demeaning. That this is like a parent
0: uh, disciplining their child. I don't think it's demeaning. I think it's out of concern. I think it's out of, like, you know, genuine care. From a stranger that I've never met before that has zero idea yeah, but that, uh, what we make. At the same time, that person is a patron. So, obviously, they are a fan of both you and I. Um, I. I think you're giving this person too much leeway because they're a patron. Okay, well, I don't think you are giving enough. And this, to me, is the problem with interpretation. Because we're only reading words on a piece of paper, or in this case, on the internet. And we don't have no idea the tone. We have no idea, you know, anything else really attached to the question. So again, I, I, I stated a response in the message board about this. If the original poster would like to clarify, we certainly welcome that. Um This is a way better plug for the cafe to hear the show now. Yeah, but to me it's a it's a it's a really fascinating sample of interpretation. All right. Um Let's move on to
1: the news items uh, that we were going to get to here. Before this show gets gets super weird. Yeah. Yes. Raw from Monday Night Way. 10% drop, 1,735,000 viewers. So this was Raw, not just coming back down to earth after the prior two weeks of uh, 1.9 plus million viewers, but tied for the third lowest viewership in modern history for the show also a nine percent drop in the main demo so this was raw crashing down they had one bright spot and that was uh females 12 to 34 that were up ten and a half percent this week everything else w- was down and this also featured um a-, a big drop in the third hour under 1.6 million viewers but uh, this one did not surprise me i didn't think that this show had uh a- any kind of a hook to it um When you're just advertising contract signings, and when that contract signing was set up in the first segment, and your hook for the show was a mixed tag, I didn't see people sticking around. I think you had unique circumstances the last two weeks uh, that did hold people. The pacing was much better on those shows. Um, But yeah, this is... Uh, do you look differently at the last two weeks as aberrations that we should be looking at this week as more indicative of what Raw is going to be doing week to week, or do you think that this
0: was abnormally low? Honestly, it's 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 extremely difficult for me to like say anything attached to like. Tell me what Raw is going to do for the rest of the I, year, week by week. I I I I can only maybe. St- you know, like discern some meaning if I'm to look at a graph of like, you know, trends, uh, ultimately anytime I hear about like these ratings things, it's like, okay. Like, and then I, like even tonight, like when these ratings come out after after this Wednesday, um, I don't necessarily know how much meaning to pull from, from it, because it's like, who could have predicted the, the, the AEW or NXT rating last week. So, and, and really concretely, what can we say about last week's shows that you think you know will be a, a a definitive action that both companies can use going forward? There's nothing to suggest that Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho are not draws for AEW, you know. No. So I it's it's again like really difficult for me to like say like one particular week has any sort of like. I don't know
1: no no we're not looking at like like one week uh defining anything i think we're just looking at the overall like is this indicative of a, a pattern like where the last two weeks were starting to show that you know this creative shakeup. we saw two weeks of raw doing higher than normal numbers mm-hmm. this week it was kind of back to this this 1.7 million level uh does it stay here or Ultimately, do you see any indications on the show that might uh spike interest of what they are building? That may not pay off this week or next week, but you, you see things uh building up. They brought several guys back to TV that have name value in Big Show, in Ric Flair. Um mm-hmm. But the, the, the other side of it, like we were looking, like the whole thing about Raw over the last year had been trying to get newer stars over. And that got somewhat thrown into left field with the the whole shutdown and everything but you know raw raw has struggled last two weeks were interesting just to see that they both increased
0: and coming back this week is this sort of back to reality for raw and this is kind of the trend what the way i would say you know the circumstances that monday's show was put together i i would imagine they would probably look at it like whatever number that they received as just you know like a throwaway number because mm-hmm. I I highly doubt that they were able to put their best foot forward and p- produce the show that they in- originally intended to produce. All, it really did, you know, of all weeks, feel like to me like a show that they felt lucky to probably be able to put together.
1: Um, conversely, just while we're on the ratings front, on Saturday, the UFC Fight Night card uh, did really well. It was number one on cable Saturday night. This was the Dustin Poirier-Dan Hooker fight, which was an excellent fight. They did the main card did a million viewers. So that was number one for the night. Number two for the night on cable were the UFC prelims that did 635,000 viewers and not like it had um, a stacked uh, lineup on the prelims. It was a comma worthy and Luis Pena. Um, so that was number one and two for Saturday night. The prelims uh, even more impressive was going against uh, the tail end of the NASCAR race on Fox. So Uh, Again, I think that the UFC, like they continue to do very, very well with these fight night cards on ESPN uh, during the pandemic where it's it's not been anything like what we've seen in pro wrestling way where all wrestling shows have taken a hit during this era. The fight night cards like we are deep into them that I mean, they they came back the beginning of May and they're. They're doing very well. It doesn't seem that the MMA audience has any problem watching empty arena fights.
0: So these numbers aren't necessarily different from what they were before pre-COVID.
1: Um, these are like topping a million viewers on ESPN. Like that, that that's pretty strong for them. Well, okay, great. Not like it's not like they're they're gigantic, like above normal. But I, I would say for for a typical fight night card, it almost seems like they the, the argument that they are benefiting from. Uh, no other sports mm-hmm. uh it, it's it's somewhat applicable here like they have they 've topped a million viewers several times for these empty arena shows.
0: It certainly is interesting for me, not necessarily like you know uh, with how it relates to pro wrestling but how it, what it might mean for the n h l or n b a when they start back up. will audiences care that much that there won 't be a crowd
1: and if you have a case where all these sports are coming back in a similar time frame. Are there going to be winners and losers? Um, I've, I've seen some analysts believe that it's going to be like all these sports coming back. There's going to be the initial spike. Uh, but then will people like if you if we have a scenario where two months from now we've got the NHL running, the NBA running, Major League Baseball running, uh, people are going to be forced to choose. It's going to be very difficult for the networks as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's, there's a lot to learn from all of these sports coming back and what are the habits of. Of viewers and you know with with a a UFC for instance like I I'm I'm with the majority here like I I don't find any hang up watching empty arena fight night cards watching a empty arena hockey game or an empty arena basketball game where we're not talking about the the UFC Apex which is very intimate we're talking about a major sports arena that's empty uh is that going to be a turnoff to sports fans beyond the initial buzz of The NBA is
0: back to me. It'll be a really interesting study because I think it'll really highlight like differences between the sports that probably normally don't really get talked about. And that's atmosphere. That's, you know, um, the importance of a crowd as it relates to like the entertainment value of that particular sport. Like I, I guess, you know, we've come to realize that with MMA, it is not necessarily that integral, you know, to have a really rabid crowd. I'm sure it really helps, but you know does it does it is it required for an entertaining product i judging by these ratings it doesn't seem like that's the case you know will hockey say this will it be the same for hockey will it be the same for for uh football like i have a feeling like the stadium events like a baseball that usually has a, a lot of dead spots already anyway i feel like it it could make a bigger difference but then who knows like real sports might be completely immune from it because you're focusing on the action whereas pro wrestling is so much you know completely different it's it's like a dj set you know you're you're relying on the crowd
1: and the mvps of all of these uh sports broadcasts it's going to be the producers of these games like how different do you approach shooting a game and what you do in between uh -hmm. in between play commentator yeah like they're coming up with all these ideas like djs uh having like fake crowd noise has been like they, you have to imagine they're going through every idea imaginable because this is unlike anything they've ever presented before when you take the crowd element out of it 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 makes me at least intrigued to tune into all of these sports just to see the differences absolutely killer tim brooks uh passed away um it was announced by uh, his son earlier this week uh, he was 72 years old he had been uh, battling cancer for some time, and Tim Brooks uh, he was someone that traveled all over uh, the u s Canada uh, spent time in Puerto Rico had gone to Japan he was a uh you know very close friend with a bruiser Brody and team then was an opponent of his uh, for for quite a lot as well. Uh, some of the territories he went to included uh Detroit uh, with the NWF in Cleveland uh, for Southwest in San Antonio. Uh, Stampede Wrestling uh, up here in Canada for Stu Hart. He had a uh, quite a run in Portland, teaming with uh, Roddy Piper, and maybe his most sustained run that people will associate Killer Tim Brooks with was in Texas, where uh, especially when Gary Hart was booking the territory, he was very tight with uh, Tim Brooks, and Brooks had a big hand in helping uh, the Von Erich sons kind of get acclimated to professional wrestling and working with them. Um, Gary Hart talks about him quite a lot uh, in his book uh, as well, just about their relationship and what, what Brooks meant to uh, that territory. And uh, one famous angle that he had was when he was with Georgia Championship Wrestling. And this is when Tim Brooks had defeated Paul Orndorf for the NWA National Heavyweight title, and he sold the title for $25,000 to Larry Zbysko. And Bob Geigel stripped Zabisco of the title for the nefarious means by which he got this title and put it up in a tournament. Which, if it sounds familiar, was what the WWF did several years later in a much more famous scenario, which set up WrestleMania 4 when Ted DiBiase tried to buy the championship. But this was an angle that they did in uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling in uh, March of 1983. Um, he continued wrestling uh, until 1997. Uh, and then he had, he had started a wrestling school in Texas and one of the current stars that he trained was Keith Lee, who, uh, posted a tribute for, uh, Tim Brooks on, on Tuesday. Um, my Tim Brooks story that I have was back in 2006 when myself and Dan Levransky went down to the Cauliflower Alley Club and this was still when you had, um, You know, a a lot of the guys that were regulars at the Cauliflower Alley Club, you know, with with us going down there, our purpose was to do several uh, sit down interviews. And a lot of it was just kind of being able to flag down guys and convince them to come to a sit down with us. So even at this point in 2006, like that generation was very guarded. And the our first day, we were having like a lot of trouble just Convincing anyone to come do an interview and kind of, you know, they were polite about it, but we were getting the sense that some people were just hesitant about, you know, not knowing who we were or what was the angle we were, were going to be taking. And then the first guy who did an interview with us was Gary Hart, and it was a great interview. And he was hanging out with it with Tim Brooks at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and it was Gary Hart that kind of gave the reassurance to a lot of these other guys when we had explained that we were kind of we were hoping to get others but they were being a little hesitant and when Gary Hart gave the uh the nod of approval it was like the floodgates opened and we ended up doing like eight of these sit down interviews uh over the course of uh 3 days in Las Vegas uh didn't do one with Tim Brooks but uh Dan Levransky ended up uh r- really hitting it off with Gary Hart and Tim Brooks and there was one night where uh mouth found me and he told me that him and Gary Hart I guess Gary and Brooks were staying together in the same uh, hotel room and the two of them go into the hotel room and there is Tim Brooks on his back reading the newspaper completely naked and that was that was that was <laughs> yeah. the visual that Dan Levransky oh conveyed God. to me of a uh t- killer Tim Brooks but um <laughs> yeah that's that's my Tim Brooks story from 2006
0: Oh man, I like. I was like wondering where you were going to go with it. Okay, he interviewed Tim Brooks, and then he said you said you didn't interview Tim Brooks. I had no idea it would take that sort of turn. Um, but uh, wonderful story. Sounded like a really, really uh, accomplished and interesting man.
1: Uh, moving on here. Uh, we can chat a little bit about some. Uh, well, WWE has. Suspended uh, Joe Coffey, this coming out of uh, of allegations, and they have also released NXT UK referees, Joel Allen and Chris Roberts. Um, so that's the latest on the NXT UK front. Um, impact news. And, and, on-
0: and, and as far as we know, um, what else were some of the mentions uh, in the inter- meeting that they held with NXT UK yesterday?
1: I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of news coming out of it. I mean, that particular information about those three, that was not, uh, to my knowledge, part of the call or anything. Uh, But it it seemed like it was more so a call that, you know, if they have evidence, it's a zero-tolerance policy. Um, And and that seemed to be um, the main focus of the call with with talent on Tuesday. Um, But beyond that, like, we don't know when NXT UK is coming back. Um, if they're going to go the empty arena route, but um, th- that was kind of it. It just seemed it was more so a, listen, it's, they're going to have a zero tolerance policy if they're presented with, with irrefutable evidence. Gotcha. Uh, on Tuesday's impact episode, they kicked off the show by announcing the new main event for slammerversary is going to be uh Trey Miguel, Eddie Edwards, Ace Austin, and a mystery person for the now vacant, Impact Wrestling title. There was no mention of why Tessa Blanchard has vacated the title, uh, nor any mention why her and Michael Elgin are out of the match, which was originally going to be a five-way match for the pay-per-view. So that's the latest there. And also, uh, this had been reported by uh, Gary Cassidy at Sports Kita. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are on their way to Impact Wrestling, and it sounds like they'll have a deal where it keeps them open to be able to do dates in Japan um, as well. So it, it won't be an exclusive deal in that sense uh, that they could do New Japan. Uh, do you think that that's a, well, for for, for impact, uh, a good get for them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, of the names that have been released, um, I would certainly say like Anderson and Gallows are, are two of the more well-liked and more perhaps buzzed about names that people might want to continue to see. Uh, it definitely helps their tag team division Do I think it's a big difference maker for impact? Not necessarily. And I don't even know if they necessarily look at it that way either. Um, But, you know, to be able to grab any fresh name, I think it it will be good for the company. But I I think it certainly, you know, leads to a lot of speculation about who this mystery person will be in the in the main event. And um, I think expectations will probably be that whatever name has to be at least of an Anderson Gell's level, if not higher.
1: Yeah, and I mean on on their programming they've openly hinted uh by playing EC3's old TNA music. On Tuesday show they did they had a brief clip of Eric Young's old uh Super Eric uh, uh get up. So they're they're certainly hinting at those levels, but yeah, I would say for the mystery person in the main event, um you know, if the people cut um I mean Rusev's the biggest one.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
1: unless there's there's like a a left field name that they have in mind that uh, either were not part of those cuts or, yeah, I, I would say I would say re- realistically of the cuts, I think if it's not Rusev, I mean, who would be the next biggest name that would be available that would be realistic for that spot? Like you're talking Kurt like Angle, a Zach, a Zach Ryder, a Kurt Angle certainly would be uh, a big one. Though, I mean, just just from a health standpoint, I, I don't. I certainly don't dismiss now that Kurt Angle does another match, but I'm not clamoring for
0: that. No way Jose Yeah, uh No Way Jose would be an option there. O- Honestly it would have to be Chris Hero is an oh, option. Yeah. I think that would be good. I mean, you know, when we say big, doesn't necessarily mean big like in the WWE, you know, like somebody like Chris Hero is really interesting because while you know, he never debuted on the main roster, his stock is arguably far higher than, you know, um somebody like primo and epico for instance
1: if you have someone of uh of a certain level are you do you just treat this show like you would any other pay-per-view or do you like so much of it especially doing a surprise that it's not like you're withholding this name so you get the big surprise pop it's more so Mm -hmm. you're buying the show based on wanting to be surprised. So th- it's kind of difficult because you really have to deliver when you're doing this and you can't even argue that, well, why did you not promote this in advance while well, we wanted to get the big the big surprise pop? That doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, at the same time, I, I definitely think there's something to be said about surprise, the surprise pop at home, you know, and, and I would say perhaps even the intrigue might even be greater than what the actual surprise is. Like, they, it's certainly, you know, they are risking by announcing the the name prior to the pay-per-view, they're risking disappointment and people making up their minds that, Hey, like great, but I don't really care. Whereas I think the mystery might be even more of a hook.
1: Yeah. And I, I think in fact, like, again, as we've said, they're, they're building this whole pay-per-view around who's going to show up. Like that is the hook of the pay-per-view. And the last item here, uh, the UFC, uh, the Nevada Athletic Commission, they've approved a ton of dates. UFC is going to run nine shows in the month of August. They're running cards every weekend, August 1st, 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. On top of that, it's the return of Dana White's Contender Series. They're going to run uh, four Tuesdays, all Tuesdays in August. So nine shows in a month.
0: Well, what do you know about like um, testing procedures for something like Contenders?
1: I would imagine they're going to go through all the same steps that they have. They're just going to treat it like any other fight card.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, it seems like it's going to be a lot of tests. So yeah, if they can keep it, I I think of
1: all the companies, like uh, the one that I'm willing to give the most leeway to it's UFC right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, I think that they have done a pretty good job when it comes to the, the protocol that they have in place and, you know we we did have we have had a couple of, of positives um but you know when we're seeing these other sports leagues that you know they are going into it knowing that they're going to have a lot of positives like that is just part of the you know 3 months ago it was the discussion of well if you have one positive does that shut everything down that is pretty consistent that all these sports leagues are going into this knowing we're going to have positives uh, so it's it's more so working around that and how you handle those that do test positive. It's not like UFC is having this rash of guys that we're hearing about after the fact they get home and all these people have um, have COVID. So I mean, what they've done is it's it is has has been about as as well as you can anticipate uh, for what they've put in place. But that's an ambitious schedule for even under regular times to be doing that amount of cards. But they're going uh full out in August. So all of your latest news you can go to postwrestling.com and if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe that's that means you are on the magical list to win a free shirt courtesy of Post Wrestling. Wait, do you have the master list?
0: The master I, magic list? I got the master list right here.
1: All right, let's let's go deep into the list. I uh, I'm thinking Well down, like three quarters of the way down way. I think that's where you should be reaching for. I think that you have determined a name, and that person is.
0: Congratulations to Brent Oliver. You win, Brent Oliver, from Edmonton, Alberta. Congratulations. You win a t-shirt, courtesy of store.postwrestling.com.
1: There you go. A happy Canada Day to Brent Oliver, capped off with a a free shirt. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: we could have had a a red, a red and white Canadian blazer to give away tonight.
0: Red, white Canadian blazer. I wish Um,
1: we had two Canadians on commentary on NXT and AEW tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whoever thought of putting Chris Jericho on commentary on Canada Day.
0: What a brilliant move. You know, I don't. I wonder if that was even intentional, but um, he certainly... I, I don't it even
1: up. know if if they even thought of that. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, happy accident or not, uh, I, I thought that was, like, one of the highlights of the show was all the... Ki- Dude, at one point, when Cody hit that Cody cutter, and he called it the TSN turning point, I just thought it was, like, the funniest line.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, name dropped anvil.
1: Oh, he named... Killer Tim Brooks got a mention on the show for Ooh. me. Um, let's talk uh, before we get into Dynamite for a full NXT Great American Bash review you have to go check out the Up Next Great Canadian Bash with Brayden Harrington and Davey Portman Davey Portman in quotations <laughs> uh, with their review of the Great American Bash up on and on Up Next
0: that's right yeah and you can also watch that on video probably by this point if you go to youtube.com slash Up next and listen we've we promoted our patreon all, all day if you're sick of us consider signing up for their patreon this is a great month to start joining their patreon as well five dollars a month gets you a bunch of shows and if you want to check out their schedule go to their twitter page twitter.com slash up next podcast
1: so we start off night one of fighter fest and they they've done up the set to give it a a real uh beach-like feel Complete with uh, what I thought. I thought there were more people than usual. Did you sense
0: the same? Um, you know it's hard to tell at this point. I mean, it feels like in previous weeks there, you know, there were a lot of people as well. Um, it it sounded like there were a lot of people. I I can't really tell you if there were more or less than last week, though.
1: Well, it did include several women who were there in bikinis for two hours. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, that wasn't there. Some, last some
1: week. got to sit. Uh, a couple just stood in their bikinis in the crowd.
0: Well, of course, this is playing off of the same Fighter Fest motif that they had last year, based off of, of course, the Fire Festival. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Fighter Fest twenty twenty nine, and whether or not the joke will have uh. Oh, I worn
1: think thin. I, I would imagine today a lot of people are not aware of Firefest. Fest. I think like a oh, oh, one year cycle is very tough for for a joke. I think that it's kind of worn thin.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. So we shall see if Futterfest gets any sort of rebranding this year, but they, they're sticking with the summer theme.
1: Uh, they are. No yes. tents, though, though, this year. Uh, no tents and almost no masks as well.
0: No masks either, yeah.
1: I'm sorry, the, the difference this week, uh, Strongly in WWE's favor over AEW when it come to when it came to the uh, the mask wearing, uh, there were and the distancing.
0: You know uh, something we oh we there did, was none. Something we didn't mention on on Monday's Raw review was that it it did seem like on Monday they were making effort to separate everybody an, an equal distance, uh, whereas in previous weeks everybody had just kind of given up and were just hanging out with each other. This week they were definitely on their best behavior. But in AEW, like people are standing next to each other, and of course again we should you know mention that there is testing. However, like with this being in Florida, with this with as much as as has been going on, um is it necessary to have everybody just freely gather around? I mean, that's
1: I th- I think it's a combination, uh like they do believe that we're testing and therefore we're all immune to this and t- to our knowledge have not had that positive test of someone specific. Like we know about um uh you know, QT Marshall was kept off as a precaution last week. He did not have it, um, so it's not a case of anyone here that has come down with the virus. And I think that's given them the confidence that what we're doing is uh, th- this is well within our our limits. That we're doing things in a safe manner, and, and this is enough for us. This is gives us enough uh, reassurance that what we're doing is, is enough. And I th- I think that it's it's a risk. I, I think they, they are testing their luck.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: I, I should add this. Uh, Fightful reported this. This was a memo internally in WWE that was sent out. As a reminder, wearing masks, sanitizing, and social distancing will be required at the Performance Center this week. And going forward, you'll be required to wear a mask upon entering. And we ask that you adhere to these requirements in order to minim- minimize risks. So the option is being taken out of the, the N-Extra's hands. And now it is required Social distancing, sanitizing, and wearing masks.
0: The option has been taken out, but the sanitizer has been put into their hands. Correct.
1: Yes. Uh, did you also spot
0: a certain mullet in the crowd? Oh, Brian, Brian Pillman Jr.? Brian Pillman Jr. was there. Yes. Yeah, he's so. like somewhat loosely affiliated, isn't he? I mean, like he's, he probably obviously has a lot of friends, but like we've seen him backstage before. Like when Jericho was doing the bubbly celebration, he's been in their battle royal. That's right, yes. Uh, so he was
1: there, he was posting about it, and Chris Jericho came out in his Canadian blazer to join Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Tony Schiavone for, I'd say, about three quarters of the show. And I, I, I really enjoy this guy on commentary.
0: I I think it's a lot of fun, and... I, I think he's great as well. Um, I think it's a great way to start the show off, not just by showing him on the desk, but actually having him walk out and remember, we are in the midst of a ratings war. And to have the biggest name in your company make a grand entrance at the start of the show, I, I I thought was really smart.
1: And I thought because the last time they did the four man, I thought it was very tough because Excalibur pretty much was eliminated from it. I thought they did a better job tonight of uh, shifting between the four. But I. Uh, if it, like this was the Chris Jericho show on commentary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We should also mention that um, a gimmick that they were introducing on the during the picture in picture throughout the night on AEW was they were giving out secret hashtags that you had to watch the picture in picture in order to tweet at AEW with and the winner in a draw would get a chance to win a Zoom call with Chris Jericho. So, I thought that was pretty unique um deterrent to try to get you from stopping a cha- uh, from not changing the channel.
1: Yeah, we'll call you. Yeah, so maybe we'll we'll find out the winner. So what you have to do, you had to take the hashtag and th- did you have to tweet them after every break? Yeah, I you think just tweet so. them at the end of the night, all three hashtags.
0: Oh, I I actually wasn't paying such close attention. So no, I, don't
1: well, know. I was. I, I I wasn't exactly sure, but nonetheless, yeah. So I mean, they're they're trying to come up with ways to. uh entice you to stick around during the commercial break i would think tonight it would be pretty tough i think there would be a lot more flipping back and forth than a usual week yeah we started things off with mjf and wardlow against luchasaurus and jungle boy i i really thought they would start with the tag title match they mm. ended up main eventing with the tag title match
0: yeah i i certainly thought the same as you john um when you look up and down that card though i I, I do feel the strongest match was uh, Omega and, and, and Jericho taking on the best friends. Sorry, Omega and Paige taking on the best friends. And, you know, my guess they wanted to end off with their strongest rather than spread it out. So NXT kicked off with the, the
1: women's uh, elimination match, the four-way. Do you think, like, the promise of, you know, limited commercial breaks? Because th- this was my unique situation is that I was going to sit down and at first I was going to start NXT and then flip over to AEW like 20 minutes in. But when I knew they were starting with the elimination match and it's limited commercials, it's like they're going to drag that match out as long as possible to keep people that I I just decided I'm just going to start with AEW and I'll watch NXT later. Do you think like starting with a super long match, uh, does that help or or hurt? Because you know with the elimination match, they have limited commercials. This thing's going
0: super long. Right. Um. I think it helps I mean I, personally speaking if I was just watching this on my own I I think I would just watch the match I would want to watch regardless of you know which one was taking commercial breaks and which one wasn't so that to me has less effect on you know uh, what I might choose but how long was it before they took that limited commercial break on NXT do you know
1: I, I wasn't watching, so I don't know when they went. And uh, AEW went 17 minutes before they took a break.
0: Which is pretty typical of AEW anyway. So, yeah. you know, unless this limited commercial break came in, like, I don't know, at the 30-minute mark, which I guess it could have. Um, what if have made that big of a difference? I'm not sure. MJF cut a
1: promo. He's tired of beating the Jurassic Express. He calls Luchasaurus Dino Douche, who's really green, and I'm not talking the color of his tongue. And Jungle Boy is counting his daddy's money
0: back in California. Oh, man. Like, first of all, great promo, very scathing, really awesome. Um, Man, uh, but this dude has been, like, taking deep, especially with regards to Jungle Boy. He had this tweet that came out uh, the other day where he was, like, saying, (laughs) Luchasaurus uh, uses his parents' money to go to school to earn a doctorate. In medieval history. And Jungle Boy was born into a rich family uh, with millionaires. And yet I'm the heel. I mean, it's quite the tweet. Uh, and and incredibly scaling. So the man is digging deep.
1: So we had uh, Luchasaurus in with Wardlow. They're doing all their, their power moves. Uh, Jungle Boy hit a pair of tope suicidas and then a con hero. As Jericho was doing play-by-play in Spanish. Before informing everyone, this isn't CMLL, it's AEW. Uh, The F-10 of Wardlow's gets countered by a Poison Rana by Jungle Boy. Um, All four men are down. And this is when Jim Ross asks Jericho, is that Don Cherry's jacket? Yes. Is he that famous? I mean, he must be. I I think Don Cherry would be a reference that a fair amount of people would get. Although in 2020... Way more uh, commentary gigs for Chris Jericho than Don Cherry. Yes. Uh, There's a... (laughs) There was a Canadian Destroyer by Jungle Boy off Luchasaurus' back. And if you think Jericho didn't catch the irony of that on this particular day, you would be wrong. (laughs) Uh, Marco gets caught by Wardlow and is thrown off the stage onto Jungle Boy. This guy's job, his job description, is getting thrown by people. And he's great at it. Gets a lot of hype. Uh... Wardlow hit a swanton and then MJF comes in. He's got the, the diamond ring and Luchasaurus ducks. And then Luchasaurus pushes MJF, forcing him to hit Wardlow with the ring. Jungle boy then sends MJF into the guardrail. Jungle boy comes back with this swinging DDT. Wardlow hits the, uh, Sorry, the choke slam is hit by Luchasaurus onto Wardlow, and a standing moonsault, Luchasaurus pins Wardlow in 11 minutes, and Wardlow did the old uh, kick-out-at-three
0: deal. Oh, well. Like, is this... Has Wardlow been pinned before?
1: Uh, Cody. Oh, the that's right.
0: That's right. You're yeah. right. You're right. I but they okay.
1: pushed that, like, since that cage match, he's he's won all of his matches up until
0: tonight. Yeah, so I think, you know, this was a worthy kick-out at after three or at three type of thing. Um, Wardlow is absolutely somebody you want to protect. And, you know, at the same time, Luchasaurus is one of those guys too. And, you know, he lost last week. So this is, you know, a bit of a revenge for the loss last week, which I don't think really hurt either man. Um, I was definitely surprised a little bit that they didn't start the show, show off hot, hotter with perhaps page and Omega, but, you know, simply due to star power. But if you're going to save that for the main event, I definitely felt like this was the next best thing. And it made perfect sense as a, as an opener, the style of match these guys had, Like it was X division. It was incredibly fast. Everybody hit their spots perfectly. Everybody looked strong. And I think in particular with these four, all four of them stood out as individuals, you know, every like oftentimes when I'm watching these tag matches and I'm even including honestly, the main event with like the best friends, I they're great, but like their personalities don't really shine as separate entities in this match. All four of them felt incredibly different. They all played a different role. And by the end of the match, I can tell you, you know, plenty about each person on their own for their own specific spots and their own personalities. Nobody in the match felt generic at all. Um, And I also like the finish. You know, they didn't do the usual dude holds the other guy and then just simply ducks and he hits his partner type of thing. There was a slight variation where MJF stopped short, but it required Luchasaurus to kick that diamond ring into Wardlow for him to hit him
1: which I enjoyed. I like this match a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, similar in presentation to the uh, Lumberjack match last week and w- with the additions of MJF and, and Jungle Boy as well. So I, I thought this was a really great way to start off the show and, and also put a, put a big focus on MJF and,
0: and Jungle Boy. MJF and Jungle Boy again, yeah, they kind of picked up their rivalry. I mean, really, this rivalry seems like it is something that is going to last a long time, and they're really not shying away from like those teases at, at, at all. Um, and, and the first hint
1: of you know, I, I think it was inevitable at some point you'll break Wardlow away. I don't know if now's the time though. I hope this is that's like a, a long simmering, uh, like kind of story that eventually you can break Wardlow away, um, as the big baby face, but I, I would really cool that and just have it have it there in the background. And at some point you could do that.
0: I agree. I agree. I mean, now does that mean that they can't do a tease and perhaps like a, you know, several week long storyline teasing descent where they'll eventually get back together. They can.
1: I I think you just tease it now and then, and it, and it builds up. And when it hot, when it happens, it doesn't happen out of nowhere, but it's, it's all these little things that eventually uh, lead to Wardlow. Uh, Like I think Wardlow has significantly, Improved his stock over just the last two weeks. I think it's been notable with the Luchasaurus match here mm-hmm. that uh, they see a lot in this guy long term. Yes. Next week, after AEW, hmm. on TNT, we will get the AEW Puppy Battle Royale. Also, I don't know. So
0: this what? is after Dynamite? Sorry, they said after AEW, D- didn't they? I thought this was during the show, but I mean I could be wrong. I think this is after. Oh like,
1: they've got a pretty loaded uh lineup next week. I'm pretty sure they said after AEW. I think they said I, I can't remember we'll if they said. We'll look it on, up. We'll on, look it up. I mean anyway.
0: Well to me this is the main event. Okay. It's a puppy battle royal. You see yeah, these puppies? I,
1: um Yeah. I mean they might be it, it it almost uh is gonna encourage that chant to come back after we had
0: eradicated it. Oh. Yeah, we want puppies. Absolutely. So, I'm watching I'm watching the promo right now. How's see. how's NXT going to counter
1: with the road dog?
0: Oh. Oh my.
1: The the puppy battle royale next week.
0: Uh It just says next week, right? Yeah, it's just the graphic at least says next week. I I mean, we'll probably find out more later.
1: Well, there you go. Are you going to watch this? I, I I know the answer to that. Of
0: uh, course, I love shit like this. Are you kidding me?
1: I'm just wondering if they'll have a similar performance to the uh, the dogs in the kennel from Hell. They couldn't remember their spots, and then you know they ended up just pissing all over the place.
0: Honestly, I have absolutely no idea what this is. It's not even like it's like you know there's any precedent set for it from AEW thus far to have anything. To t- well, I guess they've had dogs involved in like Cody's entrance and whatnot, but um, certainly no battle Royals to do with puppies. So I'm definitely this to me. This would be something great to do throughout the
1: show during the commercial breaks. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you honestly think this will be a hook? I I know for sure you would not be tuning away <laughs> if the, we just got puppy spots during the commercial breaks. Puppy and spots? For each picture and picture uh, it would be puppy in picture, and they could air these during the commercial break. What are you saying? We ch-
0: get we get like you know, like dozens of bulldogs. Uh, let me think. What else?
1: I mean, Harry is not that far from where they they shoot. I mean, you could get Harry Smith. You could get um,
0: <laughs> uh, what other things? Uh, maybe like a consider us intrigued. Yeah, you can't really do a camel clutch. Uh, Falcon dog, nah, doesn't work. Okay,
1: D- do you know? Did you hear? Did you see in the promo the uh, the drink company that's sponsoring this?
0: Tell me. No, I'm just gonna let it sit there. <laughs> we come, come back from break. Come on, barks. Okay. You didn't Lance disappoint. Ar-
1: <laughs> Lance Archer is attacking Joey Janelle in the crowd. Sonny Kiss is involved. And Jake is just laughing maniacally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's there too.
1: He was there, yes. Well, I think I- he's given up the mask, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, no. Uh, he hasn't worn a mask in, in a while. Uh, but, of course, they are taping next week's show like right now, aren't they?
1: It was, It, it was. yeah, at some point... Uh, Yeah, uh, during during this uh, period. I don't know if it was, like, right after tonight or was was Thursday, but, yeah, it was going to be taped right after uh, Fighter Fest Part 1.
0: So he has reason to be there. He's not just there to, like, you know, tell... uh... Yeah, he wasn't here just for this, so he is going to be
1: in Archer's corner for this uh, match next week. Then we had Jim Ross give a rundown of the announcers, referring to Shivani as Tommy Bahama. The sensational, intelligent Excalibur, and Don Cherry, Chris Jericho. They previewed the women's title match and Hikaru Shida defending against Penelope Ford. Kip Sabian is ejected before the bell rings, and then Shida starts off with a flying knee, and she's. V-
0: we, we failed to mention there, there was a small brawl between Joey Janela or did you, Oh, sorry, you just mentioned that. Never mind.
1: Yeah, um, so Shida starts very aggressively, and. Ford ends up coming back with a knee from the floor to Shida on the apron, and we go through the commercial. And then there's a handspring by Ford into a sleeper by Hikaru Shida, who then bends Ford over her knee. Jim Ross says that Penelope Ford shows a lot of grit. And then in the commentary of the year, Jericho just yells, I'm sick of that word. I'd never heard of that word before 2020. So we're not the only ones. No, clearly there is, a, there is just a, an absolute just tiredness of the word grit in
0: pro wrestling, and it goes beyond you and I. It's, it really is amazing how on both shows we're hearing it way more. I don't know. Grit is uh, lit.
1: It is. Penelope went from... Uh, Penelope uh, got out of the way of a missile dropkick by doing The Matrix... Uh, which looked really cool, especially in the replay. Mm-hmm. Then followed up with a cutter. Kip Sabian returns as Aubrey Edwards is dealing with Penelope on the floor. And Hakarashita punches Kip Sabian, who in the most comical way Ugh. throws the kendo stick up in the air. This was the most ridiculous looking spot. I, I haven't even seen NXT of either show. This looked so silly.
0: Yeah, it looked really awful. I mean, it looked like a Three Stooges like gag. Um, and, yeah. And then
1: Sheeta just took out Kip Sabian with the kendo stick. There was a handspring cutter onto Ford for a near fall. Then Ford, uh, sorry, Ford hit the handspring cutter, missed a moonsault off the top, and then Sheeta hits the Falcon Arrow. Ford kicks out. So that was that was her big uh, thing here in the match was kicking out of the Falcon Arrow. But then two running knees by Sheeta wins the match.
0: You know, the match I thought was scripted to be like a pretty epic battle between these two with a number of like false finishes and big kickouts given to Penelope Ford in her losing effort. And I think all things, you know, considered, they both did really well. I did not think it was as clean of a match as, say, you know, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose. There were definitely moments where timing seemed a bit loose. Wasn't really a big fan of the way you know, as you mentioned, John Kip Sabian magically tossed his kendo stick into the air for Sheeta to catch. Also, a bit of awkwardness on that sleeper hold into that backbreaker. But there was a lot they set out to do here, and I would say they almost nailed everything like really well. Certainly, the peaks and valleys of the match, I thought they completely hit. Um, I really like that like backwards roll out of the Falcon Arrow Penelope Ford did. Like yeah. for that first big near fall, it was uh completely unique, and I I loved how the announcers like you know made mention of it. And again, shout outs to like Peyton Royce for her spinning brain buster lighting up the internet. Uh it was the biggest talk coming out of Raw on Monday. But um this to me was a match that I wouldn't put up against the best of NXT's women's division. I think it's still a level below, but it was still definitely good. The biggest showcase yet for Penelope Ford who uh continues to ascend.
1: Yeah, I I was really looking forward to this match and there were several like individual parts of it that I, I thought worked well as um as the entire match. I think these two are capable of a better match together as a whole. And I think Kip Sabian uh, to me was unnecessary throughout all of this, um, but that was a small thing in the match. Mm-hmm. But over, overall, like you could see that these two, I-, I think that it was, yeah, being some of the timing was off, but I think if they, if they wrestled consistently several times, I think they could put something together uh, above this, but this was like a fine
0: match. It was fine, yeah. Technique by Taz is is fine. The new uh... no, I when I say fine, I actually meant it was fine. Like oh, damn, that match was fine. Like, I guess it depends how you say it, and this is what I mean by uh, interpretation between yes, tone is everything. Yes, it is.
1: Uh we got a great technique by Taz breaking down the paradigm shift, and the key to the paradigm shift is moxley securing deep underhooks, but because Cage has such upper body mass, it's going to negatively affect
0: moxley's ability to apply the underhooks. I like this one this one actually oh made, these this one was great, this one made a great deal of sense sometimes like the other ones are like i don't know like it's tough to do these things with like you know worked moves, but this one actually like made a great deal of sense.
1: If if, the way things are going, well, we'll get to it during the Taz promo. I'll make my point there. Cody comes out and we're getting the TNT title match as the crossover match at the top of the hour. I was very surprised. I thought, um, you know, when the, when the show started, I I just always assumed Cody and Hager would be the last match here, but they ended up making this one. The, uh, the match, uh, before the nine o'clock hour,
0: would you say on, like on paper, what was the match you were looking forward to the most on this show?
1: Uh, looking forward to, I, I would say this one. I thought, I thought this one was, it was built up pretty well. And I was, I, I thought that the styles w- would work together really well, but I, I was looking forward to the tag title match too, but I, I did think this would be the big match of night one.
0: For me, it was, it was definitely more, um, the tag title match and. You know, I was definitely looking forward to this one as well. I would say this one probably has had like maybe the best build. I really like the press conference that they set up for it last week. It gave it this one in particular a big match feel. But I do wonder if there was any concern that, like, you know, for for especially a WWE audience, because I saw some of this on social media when this was announced. Oh dear, that this was this this was Cody like Dash and Cody Rhodes versus. Um, Jack Swagger from SmackDown. Now, um, obviously, if you're watching AEW, it shouldn't bother you at all. It doesn't bother me at all because both these guys are completely rebranded from what was back then. Um, But They actually addressed this on the road too. Cody said that
1: this is them. Yes, I've wrestled him before. Uh, This is us in our prime. Mm -hmm. And and I think that, listen, this is, uh, it's a night and day this this version of cody versus that one like this is such a different cody that i think he's completely divorced himself from the wwe version and i think with jake hager i don't think they're all the way there but this is certainly a better better presentation of jake hager than wwe was able to hit with the
0: guy but do you think there's uh, maybe like you know just a concern about perception for, for for main eventing supposedly one of your big shows going up against a wwe show with what a a uh, non-AW fan, but a WWE fan might perceive to be nothing more than a mid-card SmackDown match.
1: I think that's a dangerous trap to get into because you're playing to a very small audience that probably would not correlate with the numbers that, you know, like a Cody. Cody to me is like one of your, your top level stars that is going to have his match is either going to have the most interest or the second most interest. And I would not be shying away from putting him in a spotlight role because of twitter comments yeah i I think that's that's where twitter can be dangerous for those that
0: are too uh plugged into that i think judging by like AEW's track record it doesn't seem like they make decisions based off of like you know opinions like that so ultimately we're saying okay which is the most important match and which is the second most important match and but you can make the argument that this was a match in the best position peaked at 9 p.m You know, when audiences were probably still a bit more energetic. um, Really, you could have gone either way. So,
1: Cody came out with a new t-shirt that reads, The American Nightmare Cody in the old Great American Bash font. And I thought this was (laughs) a hilarious shirt.
0: (laughs) That is pretty funny. I didn't even make the connection.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. Just next level. It's like... You know, uh, his his sister was like very vocal about NXT using the name that her father coined in the in the uh, Great American Bash, and Cody really downplayed it, saying like, "Listen, hey, I'm uh, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it. To be way way more low key to just come out with it with a shirt like this. I I just I thought the shirt was very funny.
0: Really, certainly interesting. Um, I mean, you know, it is the Fourth of July, so I think if you're going to name a show after any prior pay per view, it would be the Great American Bash. So, was it a matter of coincidence? Listen,
1: WWE owns it; they can use oh, yeah. it however they see fit. And Dusty it.
0: named it a lot of shows. Uh,
1: Jake Hager comes out with Catalina, who seems to be like a his like a part of the act now,
0: but only on pay per views, right? Uh, well, matches.
1: I I guess maybe she only shows up for the big ones, and she's now uh, coined the uncrowned Miss United States. Uh, Jericho also got in a quick promo here on Mike Tyson, threatening to knock him out. So for anyone uh, questioning if AEW is going in that direction, they clearly are.
0: Did you hear Jake Hager's nickname?
1: So not only did I hear it, but yes, for the I, I feel we have to explain it because I don't know how many people watched that Bellator fight where this all came from.
0: I didn't know until I, I Googled it this. Okay,
1: well, he was introduced as rock hard Jake Hager. <laughs> Because when he, this was a year ago, he did a pretty, uh, (laughs) a pretty cringeworthy post-fight promo after he beat TJ Jones. And he was interviewed by John McCarthy. And he said, I am rock hard with emotion right now. I've got a phoner. And everyone was confused. Yes, I will get there. Everyone was confused. Like, what? A phoner? And he later explained that a phoner <laughs> is a fight boner.
0: Oh, geez. Wow. That's deep. That's a multi-layered joke right there. A phoner. A phoner. Oh, one wow. of
1: One of the most cringeworthy promos I've ever heard after an MMA fight. Man. But Yeah, he is now rock-hard Jake Hager.
0: But that's the genesis of the nickname. Oh goodness. Well the Chris Jericho is the best thing to happen to this man because I think Jericho, if he had to go through that, would have quickly edited that one. Phone or
1: We also had former TNA and WWE referee Mike Posey as the referee here. I he looked new. Yeah. yeah. Um I thought Jim Ross had a great description of Hager just delivering these body shots that he called toxic shots. To the body of Cody, and Cody is really selling them heavily. Hager uh, got into uh, Arn Anderson's face, and then Cody just leaped from the top with a cross body. and then Hager sends Arn into the guardrail, and Cody then is suplexed on the floor, and they send us to commercial, looking for the unique hashtag to win a call from Jericho. Uh, Hager applies the sleeper, and then Cody kicks off of the turnbuckle. This is like the uh, the Bret Hart Roddy Piper finish, uh, the same spot they did with uh, Brett and Austin, but with much less grace. Because Cody like came down on his neck and then rolled on top of him. This thing looked awful.
0: And Jericho made no- made note of it. I mean,
1: Jesus Christ! It, it, Might it have broken like, his neck.
0: It looked like he spiked his own head. Did not look great. Oh
1: God. But then Cody just, like, does the leap up to the top, comes off with a Cody cutter, and Jericho calls this the TSN turning point, and I, I howled. I thought, what a what a line. Uh, the Hager bomb is hit. This is where Jericho brings up Killer Tim Brooks, and then we have the ankle lock applied. Cody gets to the rope, and then with Mike Posey distracted, Catalina slaps Cody, and the ankle lock is reapplied. Referee is still distracted. Dustin Rhodes runs down to nail Hagger. Crossroads gets countered. Then Jake goes for the head and arm choke, but Cody rolls on top of him with the choke applied and he pins him in 14 minutes and 15 seconds. This was kind of like the Kurt Angle, Daniel Pewter deal where the submission is applied, but the guy's on top and gets the pinfall and afterwards jake hager thinks he's won uh because cody's out and he's selling the effects of the submission but he was actually underneath and got pinned so jake hager knocks out mike posey as jim ross throws out the question that we're all asking what have we
0: become uh really
1: really deep thoughtful moment from jim ross
0: didn't expect that um In the show, much less at the end of a wrestling match. I don't know. What have we become? My sweetest friend. Yeah. Well, kind of threw me off. But uh, talking about the wrestling match, I thought it was a really excellent, well-paced, well-wrestled match. It built really well from the beginning to the end. You know, every moment I thought was solid. From the opening chain wrestling to like Hager's kind of monster offense in the middle to the really good sequences and reversals in the finish. I I thought, you know, Cody, I think we all know, is capable of these great classic style of wrestling matches. To me, this was probably his best since he's become champion. Hager, you know, in these sets of matches, are certainly more, is certainly a bit more of an unknown, but I definitely feel like he showed his maturity as an in ring performer in this match. And I like the finish. You know, you you mentioned, uh, what is it, pewter? Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. But I mean, yeah, like Carlos Newton, um, you know, Matt Hughes, like, double finishes are fun to do. You can't do them all the time, but you know, in, in instances where it makes sense, where you have to protect guys, but still give a conclusion to the match. I thought it was perfectly used here, help protect Hager and allows Cody to continue this run.
1: And you can come back with uh, a submission match between these two. You could certainly revisit this. I uh, based on the pace they were going, I thought they, they might go the time limit here as a way to, uh, not not beat Hager, but the the way they did it was a, a creative finish as well, and mm-hmm. and I, I like the way it ended as well. So
0: I'm grateful for anything that's more than a distraction finish leading to a roll up.
1: What more can you ask for? You got to you got to take out the the uh, the speakers in the in the arena because once that music goes off, it's paralyzing. We got an update from Darby Allen. He's still not medically cleared. So instead, he's just doing uh, stunts with his friends, lighting them on fire, and moonsaults onto half pipes.
0: Yeah, pretty impressive.
1: Orange Cassidy comes out and just sits at the commentary table. Jericho calls him a dipshit. And for the next match, Orange Cassidy just sat there, which is kind of weird. It wasn't the best friends match. He was just out here for this match. Was Jericho still on commentary after this? No, he, he, it was after this next match that they did the pull apart and he left. He was, he was there for everything except for the main event.
0: I mean, maybe he had to get ready. I don't know. He had to leave. We
1: had Santana and Ortiz against private party with Matt Hardy in private Party's corner. Uh, they brought up their, their roots in house of glory where Santana and Ortiz were the senior team and Jericho yells, call them veterans, not seniors. And Santana puts out his chin, and he offers Isaiah Cassidy a free shot. So Cassidy hits him, and Santana no-sells this. And I thought it made Cassidy look like such a geek here. Hmm. Jericho said that Private Party are Smirnoff, Ortiz and Santana are Grey Goose.
0: Grey Goose is the more expensive vodka. Yeah.
1: I mean, Smirnoff... I mean, everyone goes through a Smirnoff phase, but the best part of a Smirnoff phase... Is saying that you've gone through a Smirnoff phase and you're on to better things. That that was the that was the white claw of maybe the mid to early 2000s.
0: Like you talk about Smirnoff or Smirnoff
1: Ice. Um. Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, I'm thinking Smirnoff Ice.
0: Cause I can't tell the difference, dude, between these vodkas. Like it's it's all the it's all nasty to me. Yeah, maybe you got
1: Tito's. The Grey Goose. Yeah. Those are, those are nice. They double. T-
0: <laughs> can you tell where? Like you can tell, definitely. Braden and Davy are are the far cooler than we are. I don't know if they're great goose drinkers. I don't know. I don't know. But
1: they're, they're at least bartenders. That is true. I, I would imagine uh, Davy has a much more wide array of vodka selections. I would imagine Braden. Braden would be the Smirnoff ice
0: drinker oh that's probably the worst thing you've ever said about Braden.
1: i don't know i i think he missed the smirnoff ice phase so i don't know it might have just totally missed him but um that that was the thing yeah it was yeah they used to have smirnoff ice watermelon oh and not bad not great (laughs) but that's what i can say about smirnoff ice period what that was i think
0: smirnoff ice is delicious it's like soda
1: i there was a time like i i really did not develop a taste for beer until like my early 20s. Uh, But Smirnoff Ice would be like my go-to when I was like 20 years old. Oh, for sure. It's everybody's gateway
0: drink, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. It's candy.
1: uh, There's a big tornillo by Cassidy onto both on the floor. Then he hit a swanton onto the back of Ortiz. Ortiz later power bombs Mark Quinn from the top turnbuckle Matt takes the mad ball away and then they set up for the street sweeper and Mark Quinn pulls down Santana's bandana, blinding him and they hit the gin and juice onto Santana for the win in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. And this would make sense afterward uh, because they announced that private party will be challenging for the tag
0: titles next week against the winners of the main event. Mm, Cool. Yeah. I thought it was a really good, really exciting tag team match. Um, I, I do wish like there, um, maybe this had a, a bit more of a significant story, but I think the added, you know, stipulation of the, uh, winners getting a title shot certainly helped. I thought they should have announced that before this match. Cause uh, they, they announced
1: it like after the fact, I think that would have added something to this match. Um, mm. you know, I, I thought it was a tag match. It was fine. Uh, I've seen, I've seen better from both. Um, but it, it was, it was okay. It was uh, not was it fine. fine. It was, it was, was Okay. It- was it, it was fine okay.
0: or was it fine? It was
1: fine. Jericho, Jericho sums up his night. It's been a shit night for me. Jake Hager's lost, and now Santana and Ortiz have lost. And then he cuts a promo on Orange Cassidy. He has to be restrained, and this is when he leaves commentary. You know, what, it, it, it was a shit night for his guys, but but not a bad night for Jericho. It was it was a ninety minutes of. Pretty entertaining commentary.
0: He's working right? overtime here, especially, like, at the end here, where he... It, like, it's 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 a really difficult challenge to try to build a feud with Orange Cassidy, because you're literally, like, working against a mute, you know, and trying to build up a program. And, it's, uh,
1: it's all on him. Like, it's tough. Like, there are limitations with the Orange Cassidy character, especially in this setting without fans. Yeah. I, I was waiting for... Jericho is just on such a roll tonight... And he was just trying to go to Orange Cassidy. I was ready for him to just bust out. This guy says nothing. Guy dragged out my quarter hour last week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um did you see Cassidy was wearing like that his same bloody bl- his shirt?
1: Blood stained shirt. Oh, yeah. It was oh. kinda
0: It was like brown gross. by this point.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like uh Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Dasha interviewed Omega and Page. They really had nothing to say Other than Paige loves Chuck and Trent And they've deserved a tag title shot But after tonight, the word deserves dries up And this is where they announced: Private Party will face the winners of the main event For the tag titles next week Because the AEW title match Between Jon Moxley and Brian Cage Has been bumped the week to July 15th For a show that they are promoting As Fight for the Fallen And I think the right call that they made
0: absolutely yeah i mean who knows if they even had a choice in the matter but i think cutting it so close with them taping fighter fest uh right after this one i think i, I wonder if they would have even had the ability
1: and like this this was the match that they first announced for fighter fest and it's just kind of funny that like all this great american bash stuff and it's like the big match is now going to happen on a on a different week so it will be kind of interesting to see what <laughs> If NXT has a response to go against, you know what's what's going to be the big title match? That's now a week later than originally planned.
0: I'm sure they'll try something, yeah. But um, that is pretty funny. Um, last year, like, was was Fight for the Fallen like two weeks separated from Fighter Fest? It well? was. It was. Yeah. Memorial uh, Day, right?
1: Fight? Fy- no, was it wasn't. Memorial Day was uh, Double or Nothing, but oh. they did Fighter Fy- Fest was the end of June. And then Fight for the Fallen was like two weeks
0: later or so, oh, okay. in July. I guess I forget that they were so close to, to one another, but um, yeah. Uh, good, great.
1: Taz is in the ring with Brian Cage and says they're fine with this match being put off a week. And Taz insinuates that Moxley politicked his way out of this match for next week. They're fine with it. And Taz had a discussion with Tony Khan. And he says that John Moxley was concerned for the people and the staff here. Well, Moxley, from what I understand, you've been tested twice and you've tested negative both times. And if you came here for this match next week, you'd be tested a third time because here at AEW, we don't run a sloppy shop. Damn. Shots fired this was as transparent a wink wink. This matches off because one person tested positive for COVID-19 and it wasn't our company's person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, like
1: th- this was as much a fuck you as AEW has had like this direct.
0: Yes. I would. Oh, well, I mean, Cody did, uh, <laughs> put a sledgehammer to a throne. I would say that was a bit more literal. Um, but the,
1: and he, ended the, I, he ended the promo by saying, "Moxley has one case of the chicken shits." So yes. I'll, I'll just say, if you feel it is insensitive to be incorporating COVID nineteen into promos for pro wrestling, I can get that. This was also Taz being like the yeah. asshole heel, and in just terms of content, like this was a great promo.
0: I I definitely think like matters of taste. Um you know, are are kind of different in professional wrestling in a pro wrestling context than they are, let's say, in the real world, Uh, you know, if the president were to say something. <laughs> Although that's very different now these days too. But I, listen, this was the exact same type of pseudo-shoot promo Taz would cut in ECW against WCW or WWE. And I thought he straddled that line perfectly. I don't think it ever got too explicit. Didn't get too dirty. If you know about the news, you know what he's referring to. If you don't, then you don't. Um, and I you, thought it You know, was- the other
1: part of this that I think makes it is the fact that... Like, this is a pretty informed audience that he's saying, you've tested negative twice. And then if you come here next week, you'll have another test. It's like, I would say... 40 to 50 percent, I would say, would be like a, a, a realistic average are aware that this isn't a case of him coming next week. It's we're taping this within 24 hours of this. It's, it's this week we're taping this, you asshole, who knows that this guy is being compassionate and considerate of his co-workers, that I think it works as a heel promo because that's what Taz is. That's the emotion he's trying to convey here.
0: It does work on that level. I mean, I, I think it just simply works on, you know, just even a kayfabe level. Like if this was a real competition, uh, one of your performers was concerned that uh, his spouse has COVID and didn't want to infect it. And even if he had a week to, to separate himself from it, that is a noble thing to do. But for a heel manager to say that that's a chicken shit thing to do. I mean, God, that's like enough to, you know, certainly spur uh, me to cheer for John Moxley next week. Uh, so I thought I thought this was wonderful. Great job by Taz. And I thought they managed to still be like respectful to to Renee, not specifically mentioning, you know, anything to do with her. None of this is really on her. But uh, I thought a really uh, you know, ballsy shot against the WWE. This wasn't just a regular. Hey, your show sucks. This was a criticism of your rival professional wrestling company for how poorly they are handling this current pandemic, which, man, I thought.
1: This was pretty blatant. This was, a, this was a pretty, like, this was not even, like, read between the lines. It was a pretty much, like, clean your shit up. Yeah.
0: and I You're I, making
1: I, our industry look bad. I, I thought it
0: was done well. Yeah.
1: And then we go to the main event, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against the Best Friends for the AEW tag titles. And we got the WrestleMania entrance of the
0: Best Friends. So I've been told that Sasha Banks came out in like a some sort of convertible or some sort of like race car, sports car. What did the best friends come out?
1: The best friends came out in a minivan driven by Trent's mom Sue, who then kissed Trent on the cheek
0: and gave him a hug for good luck. Man, of like the, all the, the car minivan entrance. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Undertaker has his motorcycle. Like you know, JBL has a limo. John Cena powering through the glass in Detroit. The best friends have Trent's mom uh, dropping them off in her minivan. So I think it's great. As long as she's tested, of course, which I I assume she is, because she ended up watching the match in the crowd.
1: Well, she did not hear Jim Ross's warning, uh, because
0: Jim Ross warned everybody to wear their masks. Oh, God. Well, uh... I do wonder, honestly, like if Jim Ross is going to like, you know, like encourage the audience to do that, they really should start probably with their own audience in attendance. Like throw out the, throw Watch out mixed messaging.
1: Exactly. And throw out, you know, if their belief is that, well, we're all tested. Okay. If, if that's their defense of it. Don't you think that just the visual of seeing all these people in masks, it makes it that much more accepted that, look, all these people Followed by example. This is what we're doing. This is our message to 900,000 people on Wednesday night. Everyone's in a mask.
0: So so think about, you know, I think how much they were willing to let the audience know that they were taking extra precautions to not bring in QT Marshall uh, for, you know, indirect contact. And same with John Moxley for not bringing them in due to last week, at least, indirect contact with somebody who had COVID-19. I think they... They, you know, they, they should probably take the same extra precaution when it comes to something like this. Yes, we know that you're testing and that's wonderful, but we also know that testing isn't a hundred percent accurate. And even afterwards, especially when it comes to your older, um, uh, members of the roster, I, I, I do feel like there's a responsibility, especially if Jim Ross feels the need to tell your audience to wear your mask, um, to show your your audience that you are properly social social distancing and wearing masks.
1: Yeah, I mean on, on the mask t- subject, um, you know it's taken a long time, uh, but WWE is ahead of AEW in that department. Finally,
0: with the combination of testing.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Excalibur brought up uh, the the PWG. Tandem of Kenny Omega and Chuck Taylor when they were the men of low moral fiber. And they also noted here that at Fight for the Fallen, um, the Khan family has already made a donation, but they're gonna be doing a fundraiser uh for I guess COVID resources. So that's going to be last week or last year it was um uh towards uh you know uh anti gun violence and this year it's gonna be COVID nineteen related.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It'll be really interesting to see how much money they they're able to raise.
1: FTR came out with lawn chairs and beers to watch the match, and when we came back from break, we had Omega suplexed onto Hangman Page, who was seated against the guardrail on the floor that didn't look like any fun. They double-teamed Trent after Omega hit a series of Snapdragons. They set up for the last call, which Trent ducked, and Taylor pulled Omega to the floor. They hit strong zero, and Omega made the save, which they pointed out Hangman did not kick out from. It was all Omega making the save. Chuck hits the awful waffle onto Omega and then wastes time by hugging Trent. Jim Ross gets on them for going for the hug instead of winning the titles, and then Paige fires back, hits Trent with a pair of rolling elbows. There's a near fall on Paige. And then he hits the dead eye. Trent kicks out. And then he gets onto the apron. Omega and uh, Taylor are out on the floor. And he just hits the buckshot lariat. Just like that. And wins the match in 15 minutes,
0: 19 seconds. I thought it was a um, good TV-level match. If the expectation was you know, a pay-per-view-level main event, I thought it was relatively weak in comparison to other page and Omega matches. Um, Much of that, I think perhaps has to do with maybe the length of the match. The fact that there was a commercial break um, didn't really kind of escalate beyond, I would say, you know, a standard TV match level for a finish. And I also feel like it's at some point it it might just have to do with the challengers and my inability to really suspend my disbelief at any point that the best friends were anything but TV level challengers who had no chance of winning.
1: Yeah, it was it was a good tag match, a uh, good main event. Uh I, I didn't think it like had the high drama of some of the 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 bigger Omega uh page matches just just on TV, not even including like like pay-per-view matches, but um yeah, it it was a good match. I wouldn't say it, it hit my expectation level. It was I, I was looking forward to this match. I would say it was sort of a, a finish that was more so designed around uh giving Trent a bunch, uh but ultimately it was Hangman Page just shutting him down and really it being Hangman Page that had the spotlight uh, in victory here. Afterwards, FTR come into the ring and they offer beers to both of them. Hangman takes the beer. Omega takes a beer and he goes to take a sip but then dumps the beer. FTR is upset by this gesture as the Young Bucks run out to separate them and we go off the air with FTR and Hangman Page and Omega upset at one another. As we plug the eight man tag
0: for next week over the spilt beer. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I think, you know, uh, we're, we're talking really here, half a pay-per-view with commercial breaks. So I, I don't think it's really fair to compare this to part AEW pay-per-views. Uh, it just, it's tough to reach that distinction with the circumstances. And it looks like next week, we won't even have the, you know, scheduled main event. So, I think you'll be disappointed if you're going into this expecting like a pay per view level show. It's just simply not that. But as an AEW Dynamite TV show, I thought it was a really good edition of AEW Dynamite. So I think it.
1: I, I really liked the show. I thought it was a breeze to watch. And I, I I thought this two hours flew by.
0: Yeah, strong matches, top to bottom, great opening match. Sheeta versus Ford, I thought was very good. Uh, main event, you know, despite not living up to perhaps my elevated expectations, I thought it was still really solid. My match of the night, though, for me was Cody versus Jake Hager. I thought it was really good.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that opening tag. I thought they they overachieved in that in that match. Um, so next week the lineup is Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, FTR and the Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers and Butcher and the Blade, Colt Cabana and Brody Lee and Stu Grayson against SCU, Nyla Rose in action uh, against someone, and Lance Archer versus Joey Janela.
0: Hey, uh, on on uh, the note of Dark Order, I really encourage everybody to watch this week's Being the Elite, specifically for the Dark Order segment. I mean, for all I've complained about, I think, you know, how much they might not necessarily be hitting with like their on-screen um, presentation on Dynamite, I really feel like they found the right path with how to take those characters on a slapstick kind of comedy level on BTE, in particular with uh, Alex... Reynolds and John Silver um, and even like Mr. Brody being oh, man just the pissed off boss um, <laughs> at everything that Reynolds and Silver do it they were both excellent on t- on this week's BTE so I encourage everybody to check that out
1: right and we've got uh, Pay General Omega against Private Party for the tag titles next week so six matches and uh, w- what do you see headlining next week I think it comes down to uh the eight man tag or Jericho and Cassidy. I, I I think the eight man probably is what they put on last next week.
0: Yeah, eight man tag. Um sorry, who's in that again? FTR and the Bucks against Pentagon, Phoenix, Brody,
1: uh, Blade and Butcher.
0: That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh does that headline FTR and the Bucks meeting for the first time? I think you could justify it. And then what do you do for the opener? Page Omega? You could go that way,
1: yeah, or or they could start like I see like Archer, Janella, Nyla Rose, and the Dark Order SCU match. I I don't see those going too long. Um, they'll probably blitz through some of those.
0: I um, actually wonder if they would do Jericho Omega last. You you know what? Sorry, Jericho Cassidy.
1: Jericho Cassidy. If they are bringing back Mike Tyson for the angle, then that closes the show.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because that
1: could be. The angle like Tyson knocks out Jericho Cassidy wins and then you're off with Jericho Tyson as your all out match.
0: I don't think people should I don't think AEW should be discouraged by, you know, the rating um, for uh, Jericho Cassidy from last week, because I think there will be a big difference between the interest that a Orange Cassidy contract signing or face to face garners and Orange Cassidy match, which at this point is still, I think, a, you know, a draw. Or at least a, a spectacle, especially against somebody on the level of Chris Jericho. It's going to be Orange Cassidy's biggest match. And for Chris Jericho, it'll be one of his most unique matches that we've ever seen him in on, on TV. So I definitely think you can make a case to make that one a main event.
1: Okay, let's go over to forum.postwrestling.com where you can always leave your feedback after shows. What did you give tonight's show, Way?
0: I'm going to give the show a 7.89. A 7.54 oh, is what shit. our audience
1: gave tonight's show. And we start off with Jackie from Orlando. Overall, fine show. I personally find Jericho grading on commentary, but I think I'm in the minority on that one. I hope Cody eventually turns heel. Like Damien, Abraham, I really have no clue how this guy is supposed to be a babyface when his trainer, wife, brother, friends all show up to help him on different occasions. What do we think is on Arn's play sheet? Crossroads? Suplex?
0: Maybe it's a crossword. Maybe he's just yeah doing a word search. Yeah, or Sudoku or something. Uh, I I I don't think Jackie's alone in in the Jericho feeling like Jericho's grading on commentary. I've felt that way in the past with Jericho's commentary. If you kind of have to be in with it, if you like it from the start, you probably will like it for the rest of the show. But if you're not in the mood for it, he's very loud. He's very obnoxious. I mean, I think that's you know certainly perhaps by design. So, um, nothing's for everybody, you know, Andrew from Cape Breton says, since I talked about it for raw, I felt the need to bring it up here. I will admit my issues with mass in the crowd. Wasn't as bad as with raw when WWE had a bunch of positive cases, so I will have a lot less vitriol towards them. However, with the possibility of false positives, I do want more mass at ringside and in the background. If they want people to know who the wrestlers are, they could make specific designs for each individual person. And while I did enjoy Taz's promo tonight, I feel the line about them not running a sloppy ship can only lead to AEW being mocked in the future if and when they get their first case. The show was good tonight. I'm still noticing issues sometimes where the wrestlers end up having to stand around and wait for their opponent to do a move on them. and I'm not a fan of that sloppiness still being around all these months later. That said, the show was pretty good overall, but it definitely feels like next week will be the better show. Do you, oh, right do you agree that um you know, like like stepping into that kind of like you know pool with a taz line like that is just kind of asking for trouble in the future
1: um certainly if you know if if they were hit with a rash of positives it does it does paint you as as hypocrites um but but at this case I mean they can look at it the fact that listen we we've been testing throughout this time and we haven't had any positive cases and you know, the, the fact is, uh, you could say, listen, it's, it's not just that someone's spouse, um, you know, got this virus and it's changed our plans. It's that we believe that you were not doing proper enough testing and it's our competitor that has forced us to change our plans. So if, if, if all you get is a line in response, uh, you're, you're due that receipt, um, is probably their thinking, um. But yeah, it's – listen, I, I don't look at AEW as the shining example of, of protocol that you should have in place either. I think it's been better, but I, I still see stuff where um uh, I don't think it's 100% by, by any means. Mm-hmm. Noah from Vaughn writes, "Uh, I love this show. It felt like a pay-per-view with five really good matches. Sheeta and Ford was fantastic. And with the year halfway done, I think Sheeta has to be front runner for best female wrestler. She hasn't had a bad match all year. Great idea for them to hold off Moxley for two weeks. And the Taz promo that followed was excellent. One of the better episodes of Dynamite that they've done, it breezed by and left me entertained. He gives this one a 9.5 out of 10.
0: Kenny says, after the first two matches, I was ready to call this one one of the best shows of the year. Everybody in the opening tag looked good, and Wardlow was awesome. The women's match was also very strong, and both women looked looked like stars in the end. Then the show fell off of a cliff. Cody vs. Hager was a boring mess. Private Party vs. Santana and Ortiz was the epitome of guys just doing random moves. And the main event just never got going. The show felt a little tone deaf, with the commentary team commenting on the bikini girls at ringside, and Taz once again calling COVID a BS excuse. I get that feeling. I get that getting excited when a girl looks good in a bikini isn't a crime, but it just felt so out of place this week. I don't know why they felt the need to bring out Trent's mom. If she gets COVID, I'll never forgive them. Fair point.
1: I'm. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, y- you certainly cannot be AEW and saying it's only essential personnel. Like that is clearly not the case, as you yep. see every week on these shows. Uh, they're they're also not uh, sending out their. Uh, senior vice presidents for uh, interviews stating that either, uh, but you, you cannot make that case at all. Like there is way more excess when it comes to numbers here. Um, that that just simply like you you don't need to have all these people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is uh, Chris Thunder from Down Under. I really enjoyed AEW tonight. However, the ending of Cody and Jake was baffling. I get Taz as a heel but seems to be somewhat of a conflicting message to the AEW fan base saying Moxley is a coward testing negative twice and no showing. I, I think like the context is key here. This is not like a case of uh, like a babyface promo. It's like, you know, this guy is like, you are supposed to disagree with Taz calling this guy a coward. Everyone knows what the story is. And I think everyone in a similar position would do the same thing. So I, I, I think that is key to all of this, that it is not uh, trying to tell you that you're a coward for uh, obeying uh, COVID precautions. It's a guy yeah. that's being a total asshole about it, that if someone said this in the street, you would have a very vocal disagreement with.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's to me, pretty clear. It was a heel line meant to make you feel angry. He's low-key. Uh, God. Not that bad. Oh, my turn. That's it. Okay, we go to uh, Ryan, who says, The the first two matches were great. Pirate Party versus Proud and Powerful was good. Felt like a filler match, though. Tight title match, just never found that next gear, but it was still solid. Then we have Hager versus Cody. Not so good. Has Jake had a good singles match yet? Maybe, but Trent's mom made up for it. Almost. 8 out of 10. I... I mean, I totally disagree. I know uh, the last couple feedbackers didn't like that match. I thought that was my match of the night. Um, but I could be wrong. I, I, I like
1: the match. I also liked Moxley and Hager, the, the empty stadium show, which I, I know a lot of people did not like. I was definitely in the minority on that one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Jake Hager, he's hardly a... Um, you know, a, a guy that, that I would look at as a, a totally well-rounded performer. I think in certain circumstances and scenarios, you can present him in a very strong, believable light. And I, I thought tonight they they played to his strengths, and it's a style that Cody can work as well. I thought they did a very good job on Road 2 this week, going back and looking at, at Cody's uh, wrestling background as well, which they don't really hit on a lot in the show Um, that he has this, this wrestling background and he was not uh, a pushover either. Um, so I thought, I thought they did a very good job on road to building that match up this week. Ben's in Vancouver and writes first things first, lack of masks was apparent and a very bad look. Overall, loved the show felt like a pay-per-view Jericho on commentary was hilarious. And all four guys at the desk were on tonight. I thought the opening tag was match of the night. Everyone played their role perfectly and MJF selling and acting is next level. Really enjoyed the women's match as well. Ford brought it by far her best match, but give that credit to Sheeta as well. Cody and Hager started slow but picked up. Also at the laugh seeing Catalina realize she may have hit Cody too hard. Cody gives me a late 80s Cody gives me a late 80s Hogan as a guy who really bends the rules but's a good guy. Heel turn is coming. I wasn't that high on the main event, too sloppy, and the 10-second rule was abused badly. This was one of Kenny and Page's worst matches, 8 out of 10. Uh, what do you guys see next for MJF? Seems like he needs direction or some sort of new feud. Uh, you know, they are really pushing that he has not been pinned or submitted in AEW. And this adds to that. Like, in this tag match, he did not get pinned not get submitted that ultimately I do see him being groomed for uh a title shot
0: uh yeah do you think that's within the year
1: uh I could see it being w- within the year um you know moxley gets through this cage program and then after that um I don't know if now is the time you pull the trigger on on moxley and and mjf maybe that's uh further away but um you know they 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 keep that that undefeated uh tagline going for MJF and and they bring it up every week. That is not there for no reason.
0: I do w- feel like, like, you know, world title level might be too soon for MJF. Like it wouldn't be too soon in, in perhaps like another company, but I think with how slow burn AEW seems to want to like, you know, take, especially their younger stars. I think that's one you could really say for when the time is really right. Cause I think he's the type of guy where his first challenge, he should actually win. Um, that said, you know, I think a, like another belt like the TNT title would be perfect for him to hold right now. It is held by Cody, who they've, you know, who's already been a prior opponent. Um, can they do that rematch at, say, All Out?
1: You could. Yep, definitely. Based off that, that loss last year, I think you can play off that for sure. Or was it earlier this year they did that?
0: I think this year? It's yep. been a blur. All right, we go to Paul from New Jersey. He says, "Uh, I thought Penelope Ford stepped up big time. Sheeta is great. Had these two few to maybe give them some promo time, it would certainly be nice. Cody matches stink. They are too long. They always have tons of interference, and I'm glad he didn't break his neck. I prefer Stardust in the Cosmic Wasteland to whatever he's doing right now.
1: Uh, You'd be on an island by yourself probably. Matthew from Vancouver. The first hour of this show was great. The second was a little disappointing. The opening tag was a solid effort. She and Ford have come a long way in a short time, and they delivered the goods tonight. Hager Cody was good. The finish was a little confusing, but I feel there's more to this than meets the eye. Was the finish all that confusing? Like yeah, I, I thought the story got across. Ha- like Cody was selling that he was out from the submission, but he had positioned his body on top and therefore got the the pinfall. It's an out for Hager, and to, uh, I, I. I like the finish.
0: I thought it was brilliant.
1: Uh he goes on to say that Private Party versus Proud and Powerful was so disjointed. The tag match the tag main event needed five more minutes to hit its crescendo. I'm intrigued to see where this goes with Omega, Hangman, the Bucks, and FTR. I feel AEW needs to deliver something special next week in order to maintain interest against the winner take all NXT title match. Seven out of ten.
0: Raymond from Sacramento. Match of the night, Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford. Shida being aggressive from the start of his her matches is great. While most of the Penelope Ford, Ford matches have been on AEW Dark, she has been getting better with each opportunity. I'm very happy with how that match turned out.
1: Okay, from Jeremy. I understand AEW's desire to keep fans tuned in during the commercials with the hashtag contest, but Jericho announcing it before Cody's title match even began made it hard to get into the match. I know that the match isn't going to end before there's a break and it's not going to end hmm. during the commercial break. Then after Cody's first big move of the match, the pinball happened while a replay was being shown similar feeling with the announcement during the private party match. Excalibur did the right thing in the main event saying if there was a break, they would have picture in picture and the contest. I also thought the confrontation at the end of the show came off bad while Florida is currently a dry state attacking someone because they won't drink your alcohol Is asinine. Other than these aspects, it was a great broadcast.
0: You know, uh, like with another company, I would say like Jeremy's criticism about something like that might be a nitpick, but uh, not for AEW. You know, they're the type of company that I think would, I would hope, appreciate feedback like that. You know, um, I think he absolutely makes a great point when you say that there's going to be a commercial break and to look forward to the commercial break because there's something it automatically tells your audience that there's not going to be a finish yet. So just even adding that little, if there is a commercial, I think just, I don't know, good attention to detail. All right, finally, we go to uh, this gentleman who says he agrees with the previous poster who says the lack of mass was a very bad look. He says, I hope this shows fans that just because a company handles something relatively well, it doesn't mean that we should assume they will always handle it perfectly and that it's okay to be, to, as a fan, still be concerned. All right, thanks, everybody,
1: for your feedback uh, that you can always post on the forum. Wayne and I are going to sign off, but we're going to be back with a special show on Thursday. We're going to be joined by Dr. Alex Patel, and we're going to do an update on... Uh, where where things are regarding COVID-19, we're going to try and take some of your questions as well. There was a thread posted up, and we'll also be discussing kind of the, the measures that have been put in place, the updated measures from WWE as well as what AEW is doing, what UFC is doing. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing uh, an update with uh, Dr. Patel.
0: As am I. Yeah, so that'll be available on the prefeed. feed. The questions thread is in the uh, cafe section of the Post Wrestling Forum and you'll probably find that sometime tomorrow afternoon.
1: And then we're back Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown Live, ten fifteen p.m. Eastern Time. All patrons can tune in live for our SmackDown review, and we will be opening up the phone lines. Saturday, it's Post Perez with myself and W.H. Park. And then Sunday, W.H. will be joined by Scrump for the long and winding Royal Road, as they're going to go back and review a real world tag league match from November of 1997 involving Mitsuhara Misawa and Junakiyama taking on Jinsei Shinzaki and Hayabusa. So you can look forward to that. Postwrestling.com is where you can get all of your news, subscribe on iTunes, and delete this podcast because it's over. Goodbye.